0: This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversation with hosts Leah Lem and Dr. Anthony Stately. COVID-19 Community Conversation is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health.
1: Anine, hello, I'm Leah Lem.
0: And I'm Anthony Stately. We're back with more conversations, more explorations about how Indian country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Miigwetch, and thank you for joining us.
1: Yes, we are back again with another conversation. Bonjour, Dr. Anthony Stately. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Leah. It's good to see you. How are you? I'm great.
1: I'm so glad to be back chatting with you once again. You bring such great expertise to these conversations as the head of of the Native American Community Clinic in Minneapolis. So thank you so much, Chimi And today we'll hear from an expert. Um, a little bit later in the program, we'll be joined again by Laz Carrion, who we've talked to before a couple times, who is heading up the COVID-19 response at the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. He's, the, he's a COVID project manager and yeah, well we have a few questions for him today, and I look forward to speaking with him.
0: And today we'll be focusing on the new bivalent COVID vaccine.
1: And if you at home don't know what bivalent means, that's okay. I had to look it up myself.
0: Me too. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And our guest will actually clear that up for us. But first, before we get to that conversation, let's take a few minutes to review our current status here in Minnesota. Um, Checking on some CDC data, we've had a number of deaths in the past week, almost 50. Mm -hmm. And cases were up over 6,000. That seems to be pretty consistent and the percent of the population over five years of age vaccinated fully vaccinated in Minnesota is nearly seventy five percent, yep, and then specifically for native population, uh, there's some great information on the Minnesota Department of Health website, and the percentage of our native relatives in Minnesota with the completed vaccine series. Is just over 52%.
0: One of the things I think that's interesting about this data is that when you look across all the groups, with the exception of the multiracial group um, category, um, natives are the lowest in terms of having this um, completed series. And I think that probably the multiracial group is comprised of some people who are probably likely to have endorsed native and then also some other race, right? So we Mm -hmm. don't know how but the percentage of those individuals are 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 that.
1: Right. So the multiracial group of individuals getting the completed vaccine series is nearly 30%. Yeah. So much lower. And as you said, you know, given how data is collected that is likely including a lot of Native folks.
0: Yeah. So sometimes, and that's one of the things I wasn't really clear about when I look at this chart just off, mm-hmm. the, top, off the top of my head, not having studied it, the the state does sometimes break out like Native American um, identity independently by itself, the number of people that just claim that, versus Native and something else. And I don't know under this specific condition if they've... Collapsed all that into one native category and multiracial mm-hmm. makes up something else. But I think one of the things that does concern me, and when we look at this, is that across the board, with the exception of the multiracial category, natives have um, much higher, much lower rate of completed vaccination series than the rest of the racial groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which gives me some pause for concern, because we have had we have seen over the two and a half years now of the pandemic is it, is it about two it's about two and a half years mm-hmm. um, we have not um, you know native people have had much higher rates of infection, much higher rates of hospitalization with severe disease, and a much higher rate proportionately of death um, across the categories, so a little bit of importance. To pay attention to that, Mm because I think that that would be really an important thing to unpack. Like, you know, how much of that is related to the fact that we haven't been able to reach everybody that is eligible for a vaccine and help them to decide whether or not that's a good thing to do.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, hopefully we can help folks make their decision that's best for themselves through our conversations. And remembering again, we are still in a pandemic. This is still affecting families and, you know, our relatives and friends very profoundly and personally. And, you know, we we can rattle off these statistics, but each, you know, each of these statistics, each of these numbers is a human being, is a person, is a relative that somebody cares about, that's in our family, uh, that you know deserves to be cared for. So, yeah. Keeping that in mind, it is good to have these conversations and make sure that we're staying ready, staying prepared um and being and doing our best to keep one another healthy because these are these are real people.
0: Yeah. One of the things I always tell people is like, you know, it's important when you look at this, look at this data and you sort of unpack it and contextualize it. It's important to remember that this is proportional data. So this is case rate data. It's based upon the rates that you would see among individuals. If it was, if all things were true, like if there was the same amount of number of White people, there, as there are Black people, as there is Native people, as there is right. So it's case rate data, and we are a smaller population. So for us to lose, you know, thirty percent of our population, it's a greater impact on us in terms of the overall number of people than it is. Mm-hmm. It has a greater impact on our on our, on our communities, on our families, and on mm-hmm. um, so many parts of our our well being. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, when we think about our culture bearers, our elders,
0: yep. You know, Each
1: and everyone,
0: language keepers, story keepers, is so precious. Yeah, mm. to lose one, if you only have ten in a community, or three of them, and if you have oh, ten in a community, that's a significant hit. It's to devastating, right? So, devastating. Correct.
1: You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News COVID nineteen Community Conversations. COVID nineteen Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. And today we're talking about the new booster, the recently approved bivalent vaccine shot to prevent COVID. And we're joined now by Laz Carrion from the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. Laz is a registered nurse and COVID project manager for the Indian Health Board. Welcome, Laz.
2: Thank you, Leah. It's nice to be here. Dr. Stately, nice to hear from you. Nice to see you. you as well. Excellent.
1: Great. Well, Laz, you know, first off, what in the world is bivalent? mean? What is a bivalent (laughs) booster shot? What does it mean? Help us out.
2: Well, bivalent, it just means that it's half of the original recipe, the original vaccine from SARS-CoV, and the other half is protection against the newest Omicron variants, BA4, BA5. So these bivalent COVID vaccines are very similar to the original COVID vaccine. The only difference is the spike protein, which is the genetic makeup of the virus. Uh, By adding this addition, this addition is based on the spike protein of BA4, BA5, which are the circulating variants um, that are happening right now. And it also has that original spike protein, the original virus.
1: So in my terms, is it a two-for-one vaccine?
2: (laughs) Yes, it's uh, the original uh, vaccine. And then also adding what's currently circulating, the variant. So it's yeah. catching up to
0: where we're at. Thank you. I love that you called it a two for one because in Indian country, who <laughs> but Indians love something getting two for the price of one of anything?
1: It's bonus. It's bonus booster. It is. Booster. It's bonus booster.
0: <laughs> who doesn't love that?
1: <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly but a really critical question is like, why do we need this? Why do we need this booster? Why do we need this specific um, booster shot, the bivalent booster?
2: So uh, the older versions uh, target original SARS-CoV, which is spike protein from 2019, the original uh, COVID that came out. And so the reason it was created is during this pandemic, the virus has uh, mutated multiple times. We've had Delta, we've had Alpha, we've had Omicron. And now there's some variants of Omicron known as BA4, BA5, which right now are the most contagious variants there are. So these booster uh, bivalent vaccines currently address that circulating variant uh, to catch up, to um, make sure that we're targeting what's going on right now. And an example i like to use with this is the flu shot. Every year they update the flu shot because it's, uh, there's mutations and what's gonna hit during uh, the projected uh, fall season, flu season. And that's what they're doing with this uh, COVID vaccine with the bi is targeting what's circulating now and start preventing symptomatic uh, symptoms.
0: Great. That's that is a great analogy, and you know what? I remember like when I first uh, when this first came out, and um, people were likening it to like the flu shot. And I remember talking to some of my relatives, some of my friends, also some of the hockey people out here in the South Metro that I kind of like. You know, I circulate in that world because my kids play hockey. And they would ask the question like, "Well, you know, I never take the flu vaccine because half of the time it doesn't even work. I don't know where they're pulling their numbers from, I think probably from someplace other than a actual um you know a scientific article. but um, I remember having this conversation with some of my relatives and friends, and I would say things like, "You know, um, you know, I take it every year, and do you know why I take it every year and why I make sure that my kids take it every year and get it when they are able to?" I said, "I do it because." I think that 50, 60, even 30% chance that you wouldn't get something is better than 0% chance. And I want anything that's better than 0% in um this kind of a fight. So I just think it's kind of a thing I wanted to kind of um you know amplify there which is like, you know, um some people might be like, "Well, I got the first vaccine and you know, I can see people, you know, wrestling with that logic. Well, if it's if the bivalent vaccine is made up of fifty percent of the original vaccine and fifty percent of the new variant with these spike proteins, well, I got the first vaccine, I got fifty percent coverage. I want to just sort of, kind of, maybe ask the question: like, does that math add up? I mean, is that logical to assume that if I got the first vaccine, that I'm I'm at least fifty percent safe, or is that not an accurate thing?
2: It is. Um, Well, with the vaccine is you're still having protection from the original COVID because even with Omicron, it's still COVID. Um, So it's still helping prevent hospitalization and death. But by targeting specifically what's going on right now, um, hopefully um, it's going to have enough neutralizing uh, titers, which can actually just stop you from getting COVID at all. And that's not to say that this is going to be a hundred percent, because we all know nothing is a hundred percent. You guys are just talking about COVID. I got COVID for my first time a month ago, so I personally have not gotten the bivalent vaccine. I'm actually going to wait about three months before um, I get that vaccine.
0: Mm-hmm. Help our um, our listeners understand um, wh- why three months? Why wh- what's why is that important? So it, it goes.
2: Uh, back to a lot of people say, "Oh, I've had COVID. I, why do I need this vaccine?" Well, people who have had prior infection, as we know right now with Omicron, uh, infections have increased dramatically. So it's like, "Why do I need a vaccine?" Well, people who have who get the bivalent vaccine and have prior history of infection, which is known as hybrid immunity, are going to have the highest mm-hmm. antibody protection levels. And the reason I'm going to be waiting the 90 days is studies are show, are saying uh, recent SARS-CoV-2 infection, I'm going to consider delaying a vaccine dose by three months, and that's to prolong your protection. So I currently have uh, my own antibodies produced from having COVID.
0: Got it. Got it.
2: But we don't know how it's going to last. So if I'm, I'm going to wait three months, then my three-month mark... I'm going to go ahead and get it to extend my protection.
1: Okay. So let me just digest that a little bit and repeat that back to you just to make sure I'm understanding correctly. So we both had COVID in August. So we have a higher level of protection from getting COVID since we had it so recently. So we'll be good for a few months. And then if we get the booster, in, say, three months, then we'll get protection from the booster at that time, making it so, you know, I'm, we're extending out our protection a bit further. We're pushing it a bit further, kind of taking advantage of our our heightened immune system right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Correct. So we have that natural immunity right now from the vaccine and then being able to prolong it. And for some people, that may not be the... Uh, best recommendation for them are they higher risk or do they work in a higher risk uh, settings where they're going to be exposed to COVID uh, more frequently and that they may be immunocompromised and they want that the highest level of protection that they want so getting the vaccine now because you you can get the vaccine as long as you haven't covered COVID you don't have to wait three months.
1: Okay, so it depends on your situation if you're higher risk, get the booster ASAP and of course ask your doctor
2: right
0: absolutely I think that's probably the really critical thing is to like make sure you're having a conversation with your primary care doctor about your specific condition and mm-hmm. and whether or not they would recommend that you get the booster sooner rather than later mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's um, um you know important is to help people to understand is like everybody has a different reaction to this particular strain of uh, virus some people like have you know sort of like you know a little bit of an impact they feel a little bit like cold like symptoms maybe a sore throat and some people it knocks them all the way down right even with even um my my friend and colleague she she was you know she was fully vaccinated double boosted and everything you know and so i think it's just kind of like want to make sure that people understand what they're, what they're facing, right? It's important to know what you're facing, which is a very, very strong, particularly strain of this particular variant. And help that, use that to help you make a decision that's best for yourself and for your family.
2: Absolutely. And the thing with uh, the current circulating virus, the BA4, BA5, this Omicron subvariant, it's extremely contagious. Like you said, like if someone in the household gets it, everyone gets it. For me, it started with my father-in-law, which they watch my kids. And I've done everything I can Mm -hmm. because I did not want my in-laws to get it. They watch my kids. I don't want them to get sick. I don't want kids to get sick. And my father-in-law actually Mm -hmm. got it attending church. Um, And then Mm -hmm. it started with him, then my mother-in-law, then both kids, then me, then my wife. It got all of us in a matter of days.
0: Yeah. I've heard so many people tell me like it just ripped through their family very quickly. And it reminds me of the first time that I and my children got sick, like, like with the first original strain, right? That it landed me in the hospital. My kid got it within a couple of days or three days or four days. I had it. Then my other kid got it. Then their other father got it. It was like within days, literally days, 10 days, our whole entire household is sick. Um, You know, we really only survived on the kindness of strangers, not strangers, actually friends, people driving by and dropping off food and things like that. And I just want to encourage people to really be very thoughtful of uh, about how you engage. Um, Think about, you know, not just your own health, think about the people around you, like Laz was talking about, the people that you depend on, the people that you love, the people you care about. And even within the context of showing up and being a good relative, possibly even taking you know, the precautions that you would need to take to take care of people that you don't even necessarily know. Um, things I talk about my kids all the time, it's like, well, you have a responsibility to not spread it. So if you're not feeling well and you do have it, like, you got to stay home. Absolutely.
2: Well, and that just goes back to why it's so important to get this booster, uh, this bivalent booster. This is what's gonna be offering that extra heightened level of protection against what is currently circulating. Um, And anyone 12 years of age and older are recommended to get this vaccine. Uh, So it's 18 plus for Moderna and 12 plus uh, for Pfizer to get this bivalent vaccine as long as they completed their series. So as long as they've had two Moderna, two Pfizer, or one changer, uh, Janssen. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you get either booster, no matter which what your original
2: series was? Yes, it's called heter- heterologous dosing, which is a mix and match. And you can, so okay. if you've got two Moderna, you can get a Pfizer, two Pfizer, you can get a Moderna. There's actually okay. quite a few studies out there uh, showing that heterologous dosing can actually create a higher immune response and higher antibodies.
0: Hmm.
2: So,
1: okay. Heterologous, mix and match.
2: Yes, yeah, so and homologous, something like that. same vaccine. Uh, so and I had come up with data. I'm all about data and numbers. And I won't tell anyone what vaccine to get, but I'll give them data. Yeah. So like two Moderna uh, and then getting a Moderna booster increases antibodies 10 times current level, a tenfold increase. By doing heterologous, it can actually increase the antibody response 32 to 76 times. And that's, oh, and that's wow. a data directly from Moderna. Uh, Pfizer has the same oh. data. Um, yeah, it's actually
0: pretty amazing. They're complementing each other. Those are, those are dramatic differences, though, 10 times versus You know, at the top end of that range, 76 times greater, I think I'd go with the heterologous if Mm -hmm. I had my trousers. And
2: some people prefer to stick with the same vaccine. They haven't had had an issue Mm -hmm. and they're like, yep, this works for me, I'm going to stick with it. And it's like, absolutely, this is your decision Mm to make.
0: I have a question. So you mentioned, um, you said 12 and above for Pfizer and 16 and above or 18 and above for Moderna. So, what does that mean for the little wee ones who are six months and above? Are they? Are they? Do they? Do we not give them bivalent um, booster, or are they are eligible for it? I just want to make clear, sure our our listeners are clear. So, at
2: this time, it is not authorized. Um, they can still get a booster, but Got it ahead. would be the booster of the current vaccine that's out there, not the bivalent. Um, and once it does get approved, right now it's two, waiting two months since you've had your COVID, uh, your COVID vaccine uh, booster completed series.
0: Got it. So the bivalent is only authorized for people who are 12 years old and above for Pfizer and 18 and above for Moderna? Correct.
1: So let's say I'm like, okay, I want to get a booster. I'm the right age to get a booster. Uh, where would I find one? Is it? pretty available across the board?
2: It is. Um, the US government um, has sent them out to all the states. The so states have them, whether it's your primary care provider, whether um, you've gotten a vaccine at a pharmacy. Uh, but just go ahead, call your primary care or your clinic, call pharmacies, um, and schedule your vaccine. Um, I mean, I can't stress it enough. If you're eligible for this vaccine, this is the one you want to get. This is the one that's going to offer you the best protection right now.
0: Great. Thank you. You know what? One, One of the questions I wanted to ask really quickly. So we are talking a lot about boosters, but one of the things that I want to understand is like what role does continuing to test within this context take? So we have... And, and I want to also take this moment to let anybody who watched 60 Minutes and in the interview with our wonderful, great president to just challenge his comments. He said the pandemic is over. It is not over, in my opinion. Um, I also want to point out that he's not a doctor. <laughs> he's the president, but he's not a doctor. I am a doctor, so I'm going to say it's not over. Um, and... I want to encourage, like, we want to continue to test. But he did point out in that interview, and we all see it when we're out and about, right? I saw it yesterday when I was at two hockey games and a couple of other places. People are not masking. You know, they're continuing to sort of roll along with their jolly old lives the way they did before there was ever this thing. And what role does testing have in continuing to sort of kind of Address this issue along with this booster. Like, should we continue to still test even after we take this, or should we think, "Oh, I'm completely, um, you know, I have a suit of armor on and I don't have to test anymore." If I if I get some symptoms, do people are we encouraging people to continue get tested?
2: Absolutely, uh, continue to test whether you're vaccinated or you're not vaccinated. If you're having symptoms consistent uh, with COVID, get tested. I'm glad you said that this pandemic is not over. And at the beginning of the show, you guys were discussing the data of how many positives there was in Minnesota. That information is not accurate and it's not up to date because a lot of these positive tests are not being reported to the Department of Health. A lot of these positive tests are people are finding out at home. And so that data is not being uh, submitted to the state. So. An accurate amount of positivity rate um, is not recognized in that current data. The amount of deaths uh, we're showing 60 some this week. Uh, the hospitalizations were up too. I mean, there's still a lot of COVID. So whether you're vaccinated, whether you've had a bivalent vaccine, if you have symptoms, test and isolate. Um, we all need to do our part to make sure that we're not continuing to spread this. And especially to our vulnerable population, I mean mean, our family, our friends, our loved ones, that's what we want to protect.
1: Yeah, that was a question of mine, too, is with testing, you know, the, there are at-home tests that are pretty reliable, you know, and if you consistently test positive, should we be going to an official testing site to get that submitted as a data point?
2: Um, So I actually encourage people to come in and get tested Mm -hmm. so that we can submit that data. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's testing here at the clinic, we're going to be submitting that data. Mm -hmm. But there's just a lot of people who are testing at home and we're giving them the information to um, isolate for five days, wearing a mask for an additional five days. Um, But they're not going in somewhere where that data is going to get reported.
0: Right. I think the benefits of also going in and getting tested in a clinic is that you have the opportunity to also be examined, examined by a physician. And then you can also find out fairly rapidly if you are qualified, if you're seriously enough, ill enough to get, um, you know, the, uh, uh, treatment for it, which is fairly readily available now. You know, you know it takes a prescription and oral medication you take at home. Um, and so, that's one of the reasons I would, like if you are consistently testing positive or you had symptoms. And the other part of that is also making sure that you do it rapidly, right? You want to make sure that you get in and see somebody, a provider within three days of um, of your most serious symptoms, right? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Is you're symptomatic, you're high risk, talk to your provider. There's therapeutics, there's packs that have been out there that can uh, really help speed up the recovery, and prevent you from getting worse and do what you can. And it's not just about reporting data. It's about seeking care for yourself, advocate for yourself.
1: Well, miigwech, Laz Carrion, I really appreciate your insight and all of your expert information. I feel much better now.
2: Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank
0: you for having me. Awesome. We appreciate you being here. Again, Laz is a registered nurse and the COVID project manager for the Indian Health Board. And he has a big, huge Superman logo on his chest in case you don't recognize him when you're out and about. (laughs) I'm Anthony Stately. Thank you for listening today. Jimmy Gwitch,
1: And I'm Leah Lem, Giga and we wish you health.
0: Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.